Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I just have a knack for playing the most uplifting videos to start any sermon right now. I'm kind of want to roll with that. And I apologize. Good morning, though. My name is Andy. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, one of the pastors here at Hope Des Moines. Uh, and just want to echo what we said in announcements, what we tend to throw around a phrase we use a lot. We believe it's no accident that you're here. We are glad that you're here this morning. And hopefully somewhere along the way you've gotten that message. We're glad that you're here, and we look forward to what God wants to do. A little Psalm 42 to get us started this morning. I don't know if you picked up on the words in that video, but Psalm 42, a psalm of David, a psalm David wrote when he wasn't exactly doing well, uh, but he was working on it. And a lot of things have been kind of striking me as I've been watching that video. I watched it a couple weeks ago, uh, and it's kind of stuck with me ever since. I've been wondering, I mean, what, what is it about that video that just seems to capture me. There's something in there that I've noticed that I haven't been able to let go of. And it finally began to stick with me. Finally, I don't know, sometimes I think God just spends time watching me and smiling and thinking, why is, what is he trying to figure out? Oh, I know, I'll just give him what he's been searching for. He, he gave me a word this week that has captivated me through that video. And here's the word, hope, hope. In a situation like that where there's a grieving process, where there's something that's gone horribly wrong, even in the midst of that, the character in that video, the author of Psalm 42, in the midst of that, can find hope. And we believe that there is hope. There's hope, and His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. There's hope. In fact, we have a lot to celebrate as God's people. Here's what I want you to do this morning. If you want, if you're feeling frisky this morning, I want you to turn to the person next to you, just give them a nice punch in the arm, just a nice gentle one, and say, man, you picked a good day to come to church. All right? Man, you picked a good day to church. All right? Okay, calm down. Don't get too carried away with it. Right? But we have this hope. And yet some of us this morning, if you hear those words, man, you picked a good day to come to church, I don't know that all of us are feeling that way, are we? Right? And I want to just acknowledge this fact as we, as we show a video like this, as we pull out Psalm 42 this morning, as we talk about this hope that we have and how we help other people find it, I want to acknowledge this fact that no matter, we, we all come together as part of this church family this morning We're in all sorts of different places, and we've all taken a different journey to find that. But listen to these words from Psalm 42, and if this is where you're at this morning, I want to tell you, you are in the right place, right? Even though you may not say it's a good day, right? For some of us it is, some of us it's not, but you're in the right place. Psalm 42, verse 7, David says, and by the way, he's got a lot going on. He just lost the throne of Israel to his son, who's betrayed him. And he took everything in his house, and he fled, and he's on his own. Psalm 42, verse 7. In the midst of this, he writes these words, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. Has that been your experience this week? I mean, this year, as you look back, can you see instances where God has poured his unfailing love upon you? Good or bad, there's no mistake about it. For David, as he has this relationship with God, he's got this hope that comes out. He has hope in something much, much bigger than himself, and that's part of what we're talking about today. We're talking about this idea of this hope that we have that's hopefully visible within us as we live these lives in relationship with God, and yet there's a lot of things around us 
I think they would point to us that we live in a world in need of hope. When you look around the world, at the world around you, do you see hope? And I'm not just talking about Lutheran Church of Hope. Sometimes we call it hope, right? But this confidence that comes in being in God's presence. What do you see? What are the needs that God has pointed out to you when you look at the world around you? I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people carrying a lot of things that I don't think they have to anymore. And even if they're in a situation and there's nothing that can be done to change it, they don't have to do it alone. There's hope. There's hope. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're wrapping up uh, our sermon series. We've been on a tour. Hopefully, you all got your fanny packs on this morning, got your cameras ready, right? We've been on this Jesus tour now for the past few weeks, and what a journey it's been. What a journey. I, I don't know about you, but there's just something about Jesus. Every once in a while, it'll be for a, a class or something I'm taking or just a, an itch that I've got, and then I think, I just need to flip open the Gospels and just read. And you know what I come to the conclusion I come to every time I read the Bible? This Jesus guy, I kind of like him, you know? I kind of like him. And so we, there's lots of good stuff, and we've been hitting some of the highlights on the tour, but the tour is all about Jesus, right? And we started out way back when we started this series. We talked about where Jesus gets his strength from, right? Jesus himself had to hear these words from his father saying, you are my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. That's where he got his strength from. It's not how things were going or what the world said, the people around him tried to define. It's what God said about him that gave him his strength. We talked about Jesus calming the storm, right? Jesus' disciples got in a boat with Jesus, and life didn't get much easier. In fact, there was a storm that kicked up. We talked about the Beatitudes, right? This unshakable joy that God has for us. We talked about the story of Zacchaeus, and I just love picturing this short little guy in a tree coming down to meet the best thing that has ever happened to him. And I think many of us have had that experience somewhere along the way. All of these things have happened because Jesus is there. Jesus, if I had to put it in very simple terms, I would say, Jesus is one heck of a guy. And today, I think Jesus, as we conclude this tour, he wants us to know it's not just so we can keep it to ourselves. Jesus has given us these stories, these experiences, this transformation, not so we can hold on to it with a tight-fisted grip, but so that we can give it away. He wants us to take it to the streets. He wants us to take it to the world around us and taking it to the streets. That's what we're talking about today. And that's where we find Jesus today as we jump into our Bible passage. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, uh, if you want one from the end of the row, you can, again, I'm giving you permission. This is the pastor talking. You can hit the person in the arm next to you. Say, hey, I really love a Bible. Who's going to say no to that, right? Right? So grab a Bible. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. Uh, it's in the uh, New Testament there, one of the Gospels, and, and we're going to jump in. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to walk through this again, and as we uh, turn there this morning, I want to give you a picture of where we're going and just kind of set the scene for you to so begin to, to get a sense of what's going on here. Here's the thing you need to know about Jesus in Luke 10. Jesus is on a mission. He's on a mission, and we say, oh yeah, he's on a mission to seek and save the lost. No, Jesus is determined in this scene. He's been baptized. He's called his disciples. You know, he just does. If you're the son of God, he does what you do in a normal day. He's been going around healing people, you know, just a nice, nice little activity like casting out demons. He just raised somebody from the dead, just kind of normal stuff. 
And yet a couple chapters before this, something shifts. He goes on a camping trip with his uh, closest disciples, and they are on this mountaintop, and they have a literal mountaintop experience where something happens, and he's changed, and, and he comes down from that mountain more determined. I don't, I don't know what it is that's quite changed about him. His appearance changed on the mountain, but on the inside, he's, he's got a new course. Verse 51, chapter 9, he says, that it says that he's resolutely set out for Jerusalem. It's like Jesus has been running this race, and he's come around the final turn, and he set his course on Jerusalem making his way to an old, rugged cross. And so as Jesus is launching this movement, he's spreading this message to change the entire world, he makes this final push to bring as many as he can with him. And so he enlists some help from his friends. So here's uh, Luke starting in verse 1, chapter 10. It says, Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. He chose 72. Just a couple chapters before, he chose 12. And what I think is interesting, we think of Jesus having 12 disciples, right? But he actually had hundreds. And I love seeing the circle is beginning to expand. This movement is beginning to take off. It's not just this little thing that's for a couple people. No, Jesus starts walking to these other people that have started showing up, right? And he says, no, now it's your turn. You get in the game. This isn't a spectator sport. You get plugged in. Sounds a little something like what happens to some of you at Hope Des Moines. You showed up the very first day, and next thing you know, you're handing out bulletins, right? You're setting up chairs. God has this funny way of expanding the circle, and that's what we love about being part of his family. Everybody gets to play. And so Jesus is calling in this next group, this wider circle of 72, and he sends them out to share his good news, to tell them this, that the kingdom of God is here. There's a new reality. Everything is changing. And I got to tell you, personally, as a guy, for some crazy reason, decided to become a pastor, this is what gets me out of bed in the morning, right? That and the little people that show up at 6 a.m. and say, hey, feed us, feed us, right? (laughs) But why, why do we walk through our day? What's your passion? What is it that God's given you that you care most deeply about? For me, it's watching the light bulbs go on for people and realize I can make an impact in this city, in my neighborhood, wherever it is. This is who we are as a church, reaching out to the world around us, sharing the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, right? And more specifically, I hope Des Moines, John and I, we we sit sometimes and we we just can't even talk because we get so excited about this church and about what God is doing. Our vision, this thing, if you want to know where we're taking, yes, we're moving geographically to a new building, but you want to know what we're about We're about taking the power and the hope of this gospel to every neighborhood of Des Moines in a tangible way, not just with words, but with action. Some people think, you know, we move into this building, the work's done, right? We can rest easy. Oh, (laughs) we're just getting started. I don't think God has even shown us half of the adventures that he wants us to go on. We want to see lives changed. We want to see God glorified. People who never thought that they'd be a Christian fall in love with Jesus. What what can get more exciting than that? Just one small problem. And I am so comforted that Jesus has to say this in his text to to his disciples as well, because I thought it was just us. He says, this is the very next verse. He, He sends out the 72 and he says this. He says, the harvest is great 
but the workers are few. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Like I said, this is comforting to me because I thought it was just me. I thought mission was hard just for me. It was hard for me to go out and share my faith, let alone get other people to do this, right? But even in Jesus' day, being on mission, going out and spreading the word, it's hard. It's hard to get people signed up for it. And truth be told, there's a lot of Christians who, for a number of reasons, they, they shy away from mission. Here's something, though. I was I looked into a lot of facts and a lot of research this week, and I, I can't get past this, this statement that my professor made to me when I was in seminary. He, came, he pulled out this study. We we're talking about church history, and he said, today, these days, this is just a couple years ago when I was in seminary, the average Lutheran church baptizes, that is, somebody comes in, they come to faith, they give their life to Jesus, the average Lutheran church baptizes one half of one person. I don't know how you baptize half a person. That's a joke. Average Lutheran church baptizes half of a person per church per year. We can do so much better. And God's doing amazing things here at Hope Des Moines, and we get really excited about that. But as a culture, as a world that we live in, we struggle with mission. All right, what's behind that? Maybe there's some fear, maybe there's some, some laziness, some passivity, but, but also, I mean, we're cautious about this for very good reasons, right? I mean, think about in your mind for a second, what comes to mind when you think of the word evangelism, right? Something probably comes to mind. I think of a lot of things, but the, the number one thing I think about, farmer's market guy, right? Have you been to the farmer's market and there's the guy, right? I don't want to be that guy, and I... I can tell you maybe some ways that he could work on softening things up a little bit and building some relationships, right? But we don't want to be branded that. We don't want to even fall into that same category. And so sometimes we swing too far the other way and we never tell anybody, right? Sure, we love and we serve, but, but we're not necessarily intentional with it. It's scary. It can be intimidating, right? Mission is hard work. And yet we've been given this euangelion, which is which is the, the Greek word that evangelism comes from. It also means good news. We've been given this good news. It's not easy, and yet Jesus sends us out back to Luke 10. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great. The workers are few. So pray the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Now go. Jesus just gives this nice little command, right? He just says, now go. Now go. Easier said than done, right? I'm guessing the slide changed behind me if you saw this, right? And I have a confession to make to you. I, as a pastor, I know you all think that John and I are perfect when we stand up here in our purple shirts, but we're not, right? I am married to a beautiful woman, and as I met her, we worked at this Bible camp in Montana. I was a raft guide. She worked on a sailboat on the largest lake or whatever, a freshwater lake on the west of the Mississippi, and we had a blast together. On the weekends, we got to hang out. One of my favorite activities, because I was a raft guide just outside of Glacier National Park, was to go cliff jumping into this, this river, this wild and scenic raging river. So I thought, this would be great. We went out, I discovered this as we're on a staff trip, kind of bonding right at the beginning of training, and I, check, I meet this girl, and I say, well, are you going to do it? She's like, oh yeah, let's go. We go after we climb up there, and I'm like, all right, ready? One, two, three. I jump. She just stays there. Okay, maybe we miscommunicated. Maybe I wasn't clear. Like, do we need to hold hands? I don't even hardly know you, but, right, let's jump. Ready, one, two, three. And I jump, and I'm having the time of my life. She's still standing up on the cliff. 
so frustrating. To this day, I still, I say, do you want to go try this? I'm going to go try this or whatever, so whatever it is. Well, yeah, I'd love to. Then, she, then she's terrified and then she doesn't do it. It's so frustrating to me until five years after we had been married, I had a friend that got married and for his bachelor party, he decided to go skydiving. I put everything on and I think, this is awesome. And I'm like taking video of myself saying goodbye to my kids in case I don't make it because, you know, you just want to be prepared for these things. But I'm excited and we get out there and you put on these suits and we practice, you know, to get our aerodynamics right. They throw us in this plane and I jump in and the bumper sticker on the back of the plane says, if at first you don't succeed, then skydiving's not for you. I thought, well, yes, yes, that's true, but I've got this hope, right? To die is to gain. Anyway, right? I go, we're getting up there, and I am just stoked. I'm, I'm, uh, you probably don't know this about me, I'm an adrenaline junkie. And so we're climbing up to altitude, and we get up there, and it's time to go. It's time to go, and the guy, I'm doing tandem, because I don't want to be responsible for pulling the chute, reading the altitude. And he says, when you're ready, yell, Go. He slides open the door, and I look down 10,000 feet at the cornfields below me. I said, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> I sat there paralyzed in fear. When we talk about taking it to the streets, some of you feel the exact same way. God's given you this hope, He's given you this story. But we don't want to push people too far. And so I don't blame you. We have this saying, we throw it around every once in a while, right? I think this is a, a scenario at Hope where we say, we use this phrase, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is Lutheran. <laughs> and yet Jesus sends us out. I think Jesus saw this coming. He says, pray to the Lord of harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. And so I've invited Jed up here today because he's going to play a little background music. We're going to do an old school Lutheran activity. We're going to pray together in church. All right, if you grew up Lutheran, you, when I hear the, let's go to the next slide. If you hear the words, if I say in your mercy, you have like this Pavlovian response and you say, hear our prayer. So if I say, Lord, in your mercy, you say, hear our prayer. I think it's fun to pray together. So let's pray for God to do something amazing. God, we give you thanks this morning, Lord, for this opportunity to be your church, to be your children. God, as we ask these things, Lord, we ask that you meet us where we're at. God, this morning we pray for the sick, pray for those who are struggling with their health. God, who just can't seem to find hope. Lord, in your mercy. God, we pray for those who are lonely. Whether they're in this room or they're scattered anywhere in this city, God, we pray that your presence would overwhelm them. God, that they would be moved to tears with the love that you have for them. Lord, in your mercy. God, we pray for those who don't know you. God, those who your heart burns with desire to love them and for them to know how much you care for them. God, would you reveal yourself, whether it's through one of us 
or any other means that you choose, God, would you use this church and the believers in the city of Des Moines to bring in the harvest. Lord, in your mercy. God, we pray for those who know you, who do know you, who do have this hope. God, I pray you give us the courage to share it with those that we meet. Lord, in your mercy. God, we pray these things for you. Knowing, God, that you love this city way more than even we do. And God, you have this plan. We give this to you, ask that you help us out as you send us out as your missionaries today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jed. Jed Smith, ladies and gentlemen. Right, so we've been given this amazing challenge to take this faith to the streets, to share it to the world around us, and yet it's worth it because we have this amazing God. But somebody might be asking, I mean, really, where does this come from? Why, why even do this? And this is part because God, it's just in his DNA. It's who he is. It's not just who he's made us to be. It's who he is. Adam uh, and Eve are in the garden at the very beginning, Genesis 3. They've sinned and they're hiding, and God comes to them and he's looking for them. He's asking this question, where are you? God pursues Adam and Eve, and it continues on with Abraham. Right? God comes to him and he has a promise for him and he says he's going to uh, build, use him to build his kingdom. But for him to do that, he has to go. For Abraham to be obedient, he has to pick up everything and be sent on a mission. It's part of God's story and it happens throughout the Old Testament. The prophets, there are many different ways that God puts people on mission. And it's not just an Old Testament thing, though. It ends up in the New Testament, Right? John 1, the Word became flesh, dwelled among us. I love what the message says. God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. But as any good leader, as Jesus grows up and begins his ministry, he wants us to follow his example. And he says, as I have sent, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. So it's no wonder by the time we get to the book of Acts, Jesus has died and been raised from the dead. When Jesus shows back up and appears to them, what's he going to do? He's going to continue the story that's been going on for centuries. Acts 1, he says, go and be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. It begins to make sense. It's who we are. As disciples, as followers of Jesus, we've been designed, we've been created to bring in the harvest, right? Can you imagine if the farmers didn't farm? What would happen to our state? right? It's like thinking about this idea, what if birds didn't fly? What if the person who was responsible for baking the donut holes every Sunday morning for this church didn't do their job? We'd all be miserable, right? But that's part of who God has created us to be. And why did God do this? I think John 3.16 says it all. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. It's, it's God's heart. It's his passion. It's why Jesus later, when he gets closer to Jerusalem, is going to weep over the city because they don't get it. And God's heart breaks for that. It's why Peter, later on in his letter in the back of the New Testament, he says, God wants everybody to, save, to be saved, nobody to perish. Right? That's God's heart. And it's the same reason we're working our tails off right now to get this building ready on Ingersoll. Partly because people will come 
but also because we need more room. We need more regular seven-day-a-week space to help people grow so they can be sent back out. And John's going to be digging into that the next month with us as he preaches. But this is what's going on. God is on the move, and he's sending us somewhere new, not so we can keep it to ourselves, but so we can take it to the streets, so we can be on the move. And some say, well, I can't do this. This whole sharing your faith thing, it's, it's not for me. I wouldn't even know where to begin. And what I want to tell you this morning is, I don't know if you know this, but you already do this. You already do this. Here's what I've noticed. Here's what I've noticed about human beings lately. We can't help but share the things we love. We can't help but share the things we love, even crazy outfits. We can't help but share the things we love with the people that we love. If I have something that's amazing to me, if I love you, I'm going to share it with you. We can't help but share the things we love with the people that we love. I was thinking about this, and it made me think a few weeks back when I had my ordination going on, and I, had, I was humbled, absolutely humbled, by not just the people from here that made the trip out to West Des Moines, but I had a few people, I don't, I don't know why, they, 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 they spent money on plane tickets to come and celebrate me. That was, that was really hard for me. And I realized as I'm sending them an email before they'd come, I wanted to kind of let them know I was excited and I was impressed that they were coming and I had this agenda for them. And so I kind of put together a plan for the weekend. Do you know what was on the calendar for the entire weekend besides this church service and the church service out in West Des Moines? Food. All I had on this were restaurant after restaurant. I'm like, we got to go to Zombie Burger and we got to check this out and we got to go do this, right? But I saved the granddaddy of them all for the end right? I mean, my friends, if they're going to come all the way to Des Moines from both coasts, they are not going to leave this city without having breakfast with me at the Iowa Machine Shed. Amen? Amen? And if you haven't been to this restaurant, let's set up an appointment. I will introduce you, right? My name is Andy, and I have a breakfast problem, okay? The pancakes, they are, they are a slice of heaven, and they are the size of Cleveland, Okay, this smoke country sausage is to die for, all right? And I'm not, I'm not over-exaggerating right now, just so you know. If you go and eat there with me, this is what you're going to get. And don't even get me started on the ginormous, at least three people to eat at cinnamon rolls, all right? It is a heavenly experience in every sense of the word. And I wouldn't stop talking about it all weekend. I said, hey, so I picked him up at the airport. And I said, hey, so I'm glad you're here. We'll have some church services. We'll do that stuff. And then we're going to end with breakfast at the machine shed. And they're like, hi, how are you? Nice to see you, right? I was excited. I could not wait for these people to experience all of the amazing things that I had experienced. And this is just a restaurant. It's true. When you go to a restaurant, when you read a book, when you watch a movie, when you have a doctor that's actually nice and takes the time to listen to you and somebody is saying, hey, do you know any doctors? What do you do? You share the things that you love with the people that you love. It's who we are. It's no different with Jesus. It's no different than with telling someone God's story in your lives. But just because it's the most natural thing in the world doesn't always mean that it's the easiest. And Jesus wants his disciples to know this as well. Very next verse, he says, remember, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's not always an easy thing. Mission is hard. 
loving people, giving a little bit of your heart to someone who may not even want to give any part of it back or reciprocate, it, it's hard. And yet it's what we're called to do. Mission is messy. Mission costs us something. Just ask Jesus himself. Philippians 2, though he was God, he did not think equality with God, something to cling to. But instead he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble, this is God we're talking about, the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So if that's our example, right, just go die on a cross. What are we waiting for? Easier said than done. But kind of thinking about this week and just some of the, the people that I'm discipling in my own life, when it comes to this mission stuff, even I hear my own self articulate, there, there are some things when it comes to taking this stuff to the streets, there are things that get in the way. And there's kind of three things that it kind of poked out to me this week. What is it that gets in the way from us being the missionaries God has called us to be? One is we say, I don't know what to do. Two, we say, I don't know what to say. And three, we say, I don't believe that I can do this. Yeah, it's tough, but I want to tell you this morning that you can do this. God doesn't call the equipped. I want you to hear me and then go read your Bible and you will figure out this is true. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. And I think there's something to that. I don't know what to do. Jesus gives you the instructions later on in Luke 10. One of my favorite commandments, by the way. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Right? God told you to, okay? It's an act of hospitality. It's a way of being good news, right? And it's not just with some agenda to get them to, to buy into your idea of Jesus. No, it's about being a good human being, being a good friend. If we can't figure that out as a church, I mean, globally as Christians then how are we ever going to be faithful to what God has called us to do? If Jesus showed up, I guarantee you he'd be the life of the party. I don't think people would be put off on him unless they were judging other people. Number two, I don't know what to say. Jesus gives you the line right here in this passage. First, he gives you another action to show that you're good news before you start talking about it. He says, heal the sick, that is, pray for them, right? We all have the same access to God, the same power, you don't know how to pray out loud? God will teach you. We also have classes. Heal the sick, pray for them, and tell them God is here. The Bible passage says the kingdom of God is near you now. Third thing, I don't believe I can do this. Can God really use me? Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. Jesus says, I will be with you to the end of the age. Sounds great, doesn't it? Sounds easy. And yet you might be sitting here this morning and say, what does this look like in real life? Found a clip this week. I want to close with this. As you watch this, I want you to think about what is God calling you to use to take his hope to the streets? Let's take a look. So I want to ask you this morning, what do you like to do? What is it that God's equipped you with, has called you to share with the world around you, to take this hope that you have and take it to the streets? 
Again, these are Jesus' instructions from Luke chapter 10. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. You've got to be careful because he might just be sending you. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go. Now go. Did you catch what John said at the end of the baptism today? Hands the candle to Asher. He says, now you have a job. We all have a job. And that is to let our light shine so that the world around us will see not us, not our good works, but God's good works through us in hopes that the world will never be the same. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning. Lord, for the fact that you're on a roll. God, that you for centuries have been sending people out to be your missionaries, not with some agenda, not with just a bunch of words or ideas, but changed lives. God, this new reality, the kingdom of God is here. And God, would you use all of us to bring it in power, in authority, in genuine, unshakable love, irresistible grace to every neighborhood of Des Moines. And would we not rest until we've seen your kingdom come. God, thank you for this word this morning and the fact that you are always with us. Now send us out to be your church. Amen.